It is Rivalry Week in the SEC, and this is Around the League from UGASports.com. We hope you're having a great Thanksgiving week, and if you're fitting this into your travels and having it play in the car, maybe why some kids or someone are watching a tablet in the back seat, thanks for making us part of your commute. If that's the case, I'm Dane Young. That's Brent Rollins. The head coach, Jim Donnan, is uh, doing some Thanksgiving travel of his own, but we'll have him back uh, for the watch-along show from UGASports.com for Georgia and Georgia Tech this weekend, but then also so we'll probably do some kind of postseason either bowl show or just wrap-up show for the status of these programs. We'll, we'll handle all of that at some point, and we'll have him on for that. But, Brent, overall, Rivalry Week, I think, is something we all look forward to. A lot of meaningful games. And th- this is just that time of year when your team and the trajectory of your program gets determined. And it's just it's how you feel going into the holiday season. Like, Do you feel good about your program? Do you feel – not so good about your program. Do you have a coach? Do you not have a coach? Is your coach leading or just answering people telling about him leaving on Twitter? <laughs> because that's, that's a whole lot of fun. Uh, and Kiffin obviously brings uh, to the world of, SC, of the SEC coaching realm. But I, I agree. It's, it's a fun week. It's passion. It's, you know, like with Georgia, Georgia Tech, it's, you know, clean all fat. Like, there's always something. Something Iron Bowl, like all that stuff. It's it's what makes college football unique, and what makes college football matter to me, and way more unique than the NFL. We are brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery. We'll tell you about them as the show goes on, but please do support them because they support us. You teed me up, so let's start with it. It's the game I'm most excited about because it's the game I'm going to be at. It's the Egg Bowl. It is in Oxford, Mississippi. It's why I am at my father-in-law and mother-in-law's house in Alabama right now because uh, this time uh, we're recording this, I'll be uh, this time tomorrow, I'll be in Oxford. So this is a 6 p.m. Eastern time. Is it Eastern? No, we're in Central time. My computer changed. 6 p.m. Central time, 7 Eastern on ESPN. Mississippi, Ole Miss, a two-point favorite. But as you said, this one, after how Ole Miss looked last week, and then all of the things happening where it just seems like Lane Kiffin to Auburn is about as sure of a thing as it can be without having been a thing yet. I I really don't know what to expect in this other than this is prime time for Mississippi State to make a statement in the state of Mississippi. 100%. It's almost like, hey, we're the stable, even though our coach is is a unique cat, we're the stable program. Not the chaos that is, you know, the other other program in the state. But I was actually thinking about the the Kiffin-Auburn rumors, talk, all of it. And I went back and just looked and you think about his just journey in general from the Rivers to SC to Tennessee to back to SC to then, you know, FAU. And then now it was, when has he ever won a game? He wasn't really supposed to like, when has he ever won a big game? The, the conference championship when he was at Florida Atlantic, he did that twice. But, you know, at that point he had, kind of gotten those, that team to where it needed to be. So it's just amazing. But I will say just from a – if he does have to go to Auburn, the Twitter fund that he will have at Nick Saban's expense will be beyond enjoyable because he will bring entertainment value, that's for sure. And I jokingly mentioned this last week, but if he does go to Auburn, there will be players from Ole Miss that follow him to Auburn – 
And I think mm-hmm. first prime time would be Judkins, the running back, because he's from about 30 minutes from Auburn's campus. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's an interesting name. And you also talked about, like, a game we're going to talk about probably next. What if Auburn and Cadillac go beat Alabama? Like, and the the sort of swell and the push and the Auburn man and the passion that comes with that. Like, I live that as a, as a person from West Virginia and West Virginia fan. When Bill Stewart took over for Rich Rod, when Rich Rod left and beat Oklahoma in the what, Fiesta Bowl, like just the emotion of that gave him the job, in essence. And like that sort of might be in that realm. Could be. One question for you: What happened with Ole Miss last week against Arkansas? Like, I get that all these rumors and distractions have been out there, but on the field. What happened with Ole Miss? Because they got blown out by a team that has not been really that great this season. They haven't blown out hardly anybody. Yeah, and I think it was really that game and then Florida as well, where it was just kind of Murphy's Law game. Whatever wrong did go wrong and little things led to all of a sudden now the game is out of hand. Like Florida had really no business losing to Vandy in that game. But just all these little things that led to all of a sudden two scores. And it happened with Arkansas. And then Arkansas obviously getting KJ Jefferson back makes them a different team. But, you know, still, it just kind of snowballed from there. And all the points they got were true garbage time points. It was, I mean, they were beyond dust before they started scoring and getting back in the game at all. Let's uh, go in order here and move on to the Friday games in the conference this week. Let's start with Arkansas and Missouri. Arkansas, three-point favorite on the road at Missouri. I can't imagine the weather is going to be fun for either of these teams, but this tends to be one of those line of scrimmage games at the end of the season. Who wants it more? And I think Arkansas has shown that it hasn't given up on its season. Uh, Ever since Eli Drinkwood's got his extension, it seems like Missouri not quite there. Yeah, and I think – that's one of the hallmarks of Arkansas with Pittman is like, they're going to battle every single game. And with KJ Jefferson playing, they're sort of a, you know, completely different team, by the way, speaking of Arkansas, uh, I tweeted this earlier today, but it's kind of interesting as you look back on it, they have this receiver, six, five, 200 pound receiver, the granite capital of Elberton. Uh, But you know, six, five, 200 pound receiver, over the last two years, he has 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's caught 61 of 67 balls. He's had, you know, he's had a phenomenal year this year for him. That's former UGA receiver Matt Landers, who's now had a really solid season and had some big catches against uh, Ole Miss as well. So th- just good That's for him. UGA the- practice legend Matt Landers to you. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, other, we all know, heard the stories. He was amazing until the game was played. Yes, and that you know it's interesting that you say that because I even I had multiple people, you know, sort of on the side, ancillary folks within the program. Hey, you know who's really going to be good this year? Matt Landers. Well, he finally sort of got to that point, and good for him. And yeah. and you know, with this game with Arkansas and, and Missouri, like you just you want to feel good at the end of it. Like Arkansas knows they're going bowling. Missouri has to win to go bowl. Like, but I I honestly don't see Missouri having enough offensively. I mean, it's heck. It might be. It might be a game where you get what a three point, you know, deciding field goal just because the other's strength 
you know, Missouri's defense and then Arkansas's offense, they kind of cancel each other out. Who knows? But yes, I think you're going to get at least battling and spirited play from the Pittman uh, uh, Razorbacks. I'm keeping tabs uh, as we go of teams that we think are going to be bowl eligible in the FTC. And after the two games we've discussed, we're at three with both of the Mississippis and then also Arkansas being bowl eligible. Let's move on to the Florida Gators are bowl eligible. So not worried about that, but they are nine and a half point underdogs for a seven 30 Friday kick in Tallahassee against Florida state, Florida state sneaky looking at a nine and three season which you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have said you're crazy because I just didn't see the talent on that roster. But they've just kind of kept battling this year. And Florida State may backdoor a top 10 finish this season. Yeah, and it's one where and you know they beat a current, what, fifth-ranked team? They beat them at the beginning of the season, beat LSU, beat had, you know, had SEC – this would be their second SEC win potentially. What's interesting for Florida is do they have any playmakers that play? Like – it once so Pearsall went out during the game. Shorter was in and out of the game against Vandy. Uh, the uh, Jefferson uh, Henderson kid didn't play already. Like it was like the JV playmakers for them that Richardson was trying to throw to. And if those guys, like if you just got you're down to the depths of your depth chart from a playmaker standpoint, it's just I don't think they're going to have enough to beat Florida State, but. If the, some of those guys, you know, they get healthy enough to play and contribute, I think, you know, get back and forth, really close game. But it, that was the biggest thing for me watching watching the game against Vandy. It was just amazing. Like, he dropped the touchdown early. The Richardson avoids the sack and then gets rid of the ball, but the kid from his own team pops it up in the air and gets a pick. I mean, it's just all this random bad happened to them against Vandy. And the fighting Clark Lees took advantage of it. I think Richardson's case is going to be really interesting for this game, but really beyond this game of what he's doing here. Because I, I think a lot of people think he has a lot of pro potential. And what does he do with his time going forward? Because I do think we are just going to see a mass exodus to where bowl games are not even going to be the teams anymore that have played all year. It's essentially going to be a postseason spring exhibition game. with with yes, it's going to be more like spring game. And let's just try to get some guys that have barely played this year in there. Richardson, will he consider coming back to Florida? Because I don't think that's the case. Uh, would he want to play in a bowl game for Florida? Or does he want to start NFL prep immediately? I suspect it'll be the latter. I think most players sensibly will do the latter. But this is all a shift in the last like five or six years. Because you remember, as well as I do, when Leonard Fournette did it for LSU, he was and McCaffrey. chastised. Uh, and yeah. McCaffrey did Him it and McCaffrey, like same year. It was almost like a national scandal, but now it's almost like, well, if you don't do it, like it's kind of dumb, you're, you know. You're Corral, yeah. You know, and look what happened. Corral got hurt uh, in the bowl game uh, last year. But later, we're going to sort of look at what SE, each SEC program is thankful for. Mine has everything to do with what you just said for Florida. All right. So well, I did not we'll, mean we'll to, to take the, your we'll, shine we'll, we'll there. Get to that. We did not share those notes, and that's fantastic. Uh, but yes. uh, where I am going to take your shine is you first told me about Connor grading and landscaping because they came by your house. They did work. We always talk about that we like to use the products that we discuss and the services that we promote before we ever share them with the people. 
that watch stuff from ugasports.com. And Connor Graining and Landscaping was definitely that for you. I've seen some of the work they've done at your house. I've seen you try to keep it up and not do as good of a job as they would have done <laughs> if they would have been doing that upkeep. But that's why you're going to have them back out yeah. there for some of the uh, earth moving and grading and landscaping, all kinds of different things. I keep saying a fire pit would be so cool to have this time of year. Uh, maybe get some patio pavers out there. It, what I want to do is make sure that when it rains in my backyard, it kind of goes downhill at the back. I want to make sure that that's funneling in the right direction. So I think I'm going to call Mike Connor and see if he can get out there and just make sure that my yard long-term has a good plan that will work out for just the crazy weather that we've been having. Uh, and it was funny as I was driving from Georgia to Alabama this morning, it dropped 20 degrees or it, it rose 20 degrees in temperature. It was 50 when I left Georgia, yeah. got to Alabama. It's in the low seventies and it's going to be raining yeah. toward the egg bowl tomorrow. Beautiful day. Uh, all to Good say, day. make sure that you have your yard set up and you can do that with the fine folks at Connor grading and landscaping. What I encourage you to do is go to connorgrading.com. Just check out their gallery. It's at the top of their page there. You can follow them on social media as well with Facebook and Instagram. But what that does is it shows you some of the work that they have done before. <laughs> if you want a chipping or putting green in your backyard, they can do that too. A lot of great ideas, Connor grading and landscaping. And look, they're Georgia fans. So they're kind of like you and me uh, overall of, of where their priorities are. They've been day one sponsors of Around the League from UGA Sports. Let's stick with Georgia here playing at noon uh, on ESPN, I, I had to double take when I saw this line, Brent. I'm seeing 35 and a half. Yeah. I've even seen like some Georgia Tech actually like say that Georgia Tech, you know, the Tech shouldn't even score. Like it should, it should be shut out in the game. But I, I will say I've seen some issues that might be some of that rain come into Athens around the game or during the game. Given that, given where Tech is a program, it does feel like a game that Georgia win they have the past few years. This feels like a game that it's the 35 to three and they completely just shut down. And, you know, Vandegrift plays and the ball off for 15 straight snaps or something like that. But what's interesting about the two things one is like Stetson Bennett's going to be the, you know, starting quarterback, senior day, all that kind of stuff. He wins. Finishes 13 as a starter between the hedges. I think that's pretty cool. And what's even more ironic, I didn't realize this until I was messing around watching some recently. If you go start in the SEC championship game against the QB with the last name, <laughs> I think that's just kind of, uh, you know, the irony there of that. But no, I, I think this is one where it's get in, get out, don't get hurt, get rested up for next week. And like Coach talks well. about like the noon stuff, like being at noon versus LSU playing at night, like that's a big deal for them. I do think long-term there's a discussion to be had of if Georgia and Georgia Tech continue playing. I'm not going to sit here and lobby and, and juristic that thing right now. But what I'm saying is these programs are in two different calibers of college football at this point, and that's all happened in the last 10 years. Uh, yeah. And I'll be curious to see where that shakes out and how college football changes, because eventually, I mean, some of this may be as big as breaking away from the NCAA that Georgia Tech is kind of clawing for relevance and wins like they had against North Carolina last week are necessary. And their next coaching hire is critical to their stability yes. as a program and even what level they're going to be playing on, because they're very much a very team. True. 
that if this goes in the wrong way, they could just get left behind completely. Yeah, they're they're close to the bottom end of that realm than they are the middle part of the mm-hmm. realm. Yeah. Very much so. And they're, they're so far away from the Clemsons and the Georgias of the world. Let's see if they can compete with Georgia on the stage. I, I tend to think that line is there for a reason. Uh, on my way yes. to the heart of Alabama, I did drive through Auburn. It was pretty quiet there, but that's because the Tigers are playing in Tuscaloosa. 22.5-point underdogs on the road at Alabama. Alabama ranks seven. Has the like in the greatest chaos scenario, I suppose there's still a like minuscule backdoor chance of Alabama having a playoff argument. But for that to happen, they need to blow out Auburn. And typically that does not happen. You remember if Tank Bigsby stays in bounds last season, Alabama loses to Auburn then. Well, this is a much, I would say, worse Auburn team right now, although they've been playing better in recent weeks. A couple things. One is, I, for your playoff scenario piece, I think the only chance that whatsoever that Alabama has is if Ohio State absolutely just dunks Michigan, like a 35-7 beatdown of Michigan. And I don't think that's going to happen. So I, so to me, that's just a no, no scenario for them. But the other thing is, if you actually – I'm sure no one really watched Alabama play Austin P. It's – a game. P actually had opportunities, like a long pass that just was like a little bit overthrown. Uh, one other, you know, goal line stop, or that game's like fourteen to fourteen and a half. It's just amazing that when you look at sort of that game. But I will say one thing in the whole coaching thing and Cadillac and the emotion of what what he's brought to it, and you know the Auburn. Man, I think it, you can kind of draw some parallels with the Michigan Ohio State rivalry because what did Harbaugh do Harbaugh said all right we're going to be the more physical team running physical defense all that goes with that and if Michigan goes and beats Ohio State by being just more physical the parallels there Auburn and Bama because Bama really has turned very Ohio State-esque where it's spread passing that's that's who they are they're not old saving physical team anymore and that might you know that might be the way because with with Tank or with uh, since Cadillac has been hired, they're one of the top five teams in the FBS in terms of or Power Five in terms of rushing yards per game. So maybe from a philosophical standpoint, it might mesh to be anti what Bama is and what Bama has become. So very intriguing to see how this game plays out. That stat just reminds me of how critical the leadership is because the people making those decisions, Will Friend in this case, he's been there. For multiple years now at Auburn with these same players. And then you get someone else with a different vision and leadership and approval process. And, you know, it's your players have to believe in the people that are making those decisions. They seem to believe in Cadillac. They seem to believe in Will Friend. That only gets you so far. I understand that. Like you have to have uh, more depth and talent than Auburn does to compete at a certain level. However, don't be surprised if Auburn just kind of hangs around with Alabama. Uh, this one means a bit more in the state. Uh, and I say the state because I'm sitting in it right now. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go to another noon game. I forgot this was at noon. On ABC, Clemson at home, 14-point favorite against apparently the best quarterback in the world, Spencer Rattler. At least that was the case for a week. Can it be another week? 
All right, I'll go ahead and preempt my South Carolina. What is South Carolina thankful for? This what is their football program thankful for? They're thankful for Tennessee's defense. <laughs> because they're if like no pressure, and then when he got caught and he got rolling, and you could just tell he felt like I'm in the zone. I could he started talking trash. He's doing the you know the touchdown. Like he got into a whole nother world, the Calzada zone, as I said said, I think. In another That's thing so that we good. did, I love the Calzada zone and the Rattler zone. Let's just find one of those guys every year. And but you know what's interesting about this is they can, I think, hang with Clemson just because I don't know that Clemson offensively is any sort of world beater. And you know, if you get that confident Rattler playing, I think obviously Clemson's defense is way better uh, than Tennessee's, but. You get a confident rattler, and they have playmakers: Juice Wells, Jaheim Bell. Like they've got playmakers, and, and Josh Van. But what would be interesting about this is, you know, they go and beat their you know rival for them, their in-state rival, and they go and beat them at Clemson, which, by the way, has won what forty straight home games. To me, it would be like the most ultimate Beamer win of all time. You beat Tennessee, you beat Clemson, you feel like you're the greatest thing ever. And you're eight and four and third in your division. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's just it could be fitting though. It could be very fitting that 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 happens. But Clemson, this is a big, big, big game for Clemson. They need this game. They need to not look. Real, they need to win this game convincingly. If South Carolina finds a way to beat Clemson, it now then has the reputation of being a playoff spoiler. And I think Notre Dame is a bit of that vein this year too. Yeah. If they were to go beat USC, because they've already beaten North Carolina, they've already beaten Clemson. I, I look at South Carolina and be like, that, that's a team you may not want to play late in a like, season. Always frisky. Always frisky. And by the way, you know, everybody gives kind of Beamer some some crap about you know, sort of how he acts and things like that. But those kids play and he mm-hmm. coaches his tail off. You can tell that there's a there's there's belief there in what he does and him as a coach. And you know, whether they recruit or not, who all those sort of things yet to be answered. But in terms of just people that are there playing, playing hard, playing, cons- you know, at least somewhat consistent. Yeah, they do that. In terms of the people that are there that I like, it's the folks at ASW Distillery because they, one, they support our show. They're Georgia people, distilled by dogs. We've told you that five of the six founders at ASW Distillery are University of Georgia graduates. They do say that they are distilled by dogs. And so it was extra special when this product that is mostly associated with things out of Kentucky got to be celebrated in Georgia with Georgia's win over Kentucky. I was seeing people tweet it all over that, yeah, I'm really enjoying this a little bit extra tonight. And that was great. The Fiddler bourbon is what I've been sipping on all year, especially on the post game of a reaction show here on this YouTube channel that Georgia Hartwood is the one that uh, my friend Chad over ASW distillery sent me and said, Hey, th- this is going to be one that you were going to want all year long and let us know. We'll make sure that we get some more for you. And we, love it we love asw distillery you will too check out their products online uh you can see this just at fiddlerwhiskey.com but if you just go to their website asw distillery or go to wherever you buy your local spirits tell them you want asw there uh, our friend eddie and ackworth that's on our show sometimes says he went to where he buys his products and told initially they didn't have it he requested it boom they got it in there if you're in the state of georgia in the southeast they can make sure they get it for you. Some places around the country, I know that they have spots in California and Texas and elsewhere where they make sure you can buy your ASW, whether it's bourbon or vodka uh, or gin. 
They have many products for everybody. Check them out, ASW Distillery. Let's run through three more games, and then we'll get to our what we're thankful for, what each team is thankful for. Uh, Louisville and Kentucky is a 3 p.m. kick on the SEC Network. Kentucky's a three-point favorite, but I would stay away from this with everything in me if you're talking Vegas numbers because I have no idea with either team. They watch it. I don't think it's going to be that very interesting. Like They're just not playing an interesting brand of football right now. It's not – Enjoyable to watch. Like that game last weekend against Georgia just wasn't really, it's not entertaining football. It just isn't. Now, you know, hey, last game for Levis, last game for Rodriguez uh, at home. Go out, get a victory. Stoops just got an extension, right? I just saw that. Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. signed it before it, the Vanderbilt loss. I saw. So this is funny because uh, Stoops got his extension and Louisville's been trying to fire Satterfield all year and I guess been unsuccessful in doing so. <laughs> like they could back their way into an eight and four season being ranked and yeah. they're kind of stuck with them for another year. So yep. we'll see. Uh, 7 p.m. on ESPN, we have LSU and Texas A&M. A&M struggle with UMass. So I know you're talking about P, but I say It UMass, felt predictable. Like they, we talked about it last week on the show, like the line was 33. How had they even score 33? And they couldn't. The weather was bad. It didn't help. But like, this is not a look ahead. LSU better not look ahead just because obviously there is talent there at, at AM. But the interesting part for like LSU, like watching them play UAB last week, Daniel still had like 13 carries, something yards. Like the, he was into the game late, you know, well into the fourth quarter. And I'm like, Okay, do you not realize what you're playing for? So that if that's the case at UA, he's gonna be in, you know, I would think he's gonna be in there as long as is needed uh, against AM. So that'll be interesting to see how much uh, he plays and if they can you know get control of that game and him not then him come out of that game. But I think that's really the only interesting. Kind of does feel like LSU may have peaked in the middle of the season and they're just trying to hold on at this point. Uh, that that yeah. may turn into a game that Georgia can run away with, but LSU has players too. So we'll get to that uh, in some previews from UGSports.com next week before the SEC championship. 7.30 on the SEC Network. Tennessee now. The, the, I've, I've been using this stat just because it's fun. Vanderbilt has the third longest winning streak in the conference. Other than Georgia and LSU, every other team in the conference has lost one of its last two SEC championship games, except Vanderbilt. 2-0 and in the last uh, two SEC games. I think I said SEC championship. Um, Vanderbilt 2-0 and in its last two SEC games with wins over Kentucky and Florida. Can they get the trifecta and just send Tennessee on a, a little negative stretch at the end of this year with losses to South Carolina and Vandy? I mean, it wouldn't get much worse than that based on the high that they had earlier in the year. That's that is it's like you were at a that you hadn't been Back to the face, face there. I hate having a hooker take the kid to go. You know, you're potentially going to drag and go with ACO rehab and all with that. I don't think he would have been maybe a fifth round pick. It's one where I Clark was doing it. And you can tell he's a very selfless leader. And I think that's very necessary for him. Yeah. 
Um, I heard some of that internet was like in and out a little bit, but that's all good. Here's what I'm hoping for. And uh, then we'll get to our final game here. Uh, he's going to back out and back and jump back in real fast. Here's what I'm really, really hoping for. Missouri, Auburn, and Vandy. If they all win, they're in bowl games, which means the SEC would have 13 bowl contenders, meaning Missouri beats Arkansas. Auburn finds a way to beat Alabama. If Vandy were to beat Tennessee, there would be 13 SEC teams that are then bowl eligible. The one that would not be Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And just the jokes that I get from Twitter with that would make me so, so happy. Uh, SWGA EUC says, I can see LSU losing to Texas A&M. Well, they're a 10-point favorite uh, on the road. A&M hasn't really been playing anyone super well, but I, I kind of agree with you. Like I, there's a scenario where I see that happening. It would be a rough go at it for uh, LSU. I think if they f- find themselves in a, a position where they're losing that game and then having to go play in the SEC championship. Uh, but he, you know, th- there's some chaos scenarios here as well, because let's say South Carolina pulls off that win against Clemson. Let's say Texas A&M knocks out LSU to where even if LSU found a way to beat Georgia, they wouldn't be in the playoff for three losses. Like all of a sudden you start to see the playoff picture get like, how do we even find four teams to make this? Um, and, and there's some scenarios where Georgia would be in regardless of its performance in the SEC championship. But overall, my overall hope is that Texas A&M is the only SEC team that does not go bowling because I love joking about how much money they paid Jimbo Fisher to currently have a four and seven record. And those losses, I'm telling you, they struggled with UMass. And when you go to Texas A&M's schedule and just look how that has broken down this year, oh man, it has not been the greatest uh, deal for them, full schedule for the Aggies. So they did beat UMass, but it's coming off losses to Auburn, Florida, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi State. They had beaten Arkansas, they would beaten Miami, they lost to App State, uh, and then they did beat Sam Houston State, 31 to nothing. They're going to finish the year with either three or four wins. Uh, you can get a ticket for that game as low as $71, which I don't think people will be wanting to do. Um, all right, so we have a game here for you. Brent may pop back here with his. I'll wrap with this. Things that teams in the SEC are thankful for. We like Thanksgiving around here. We're very thankful for ASW Distillery. We're very thankful for Connor Grading and Landscaping. And so we came up with uh, things that SEC teams are thankful for. You heard a couple of those from Brent before his uh, internet backed out. Arkansas, they're thankful for that cold beer. That's what Sam Pittman, like he's built this little brand now of something good happens for Arkansas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have me a little nice cold beer at the end of it. And uh, I think that's what they're thankful for this time of year. I do think there may be a bit more pressure on Sam Pittman and Arkansas heading into next year, only because you've kind of seen them lose some games in the middle of the season they should not lose. I don't know if that's sustainable for Arkansas. With Auburn, I just think they're grateful for this little era of Cadillac Williams to boost some energy in that place. I tell people all the time, because I covered Auburn for four years when I was working in local TV down there, Auburn has more energy, and that place gets rocking. It's the loudest stadium that I've been to when the fans care, but it's also the opposite. It can be the quietest stadium when they don't. And so for Cadillac to bring that energy, that Auburn energy back, 
and set up what looks like a Lane Kiffin era there. Maybe he's a piece of it. I think that that's probably what they should be thankful for the most is Cadillac Williams. Now, Alabama, they should be thankful for Bryce Young because Alabama may lose four games this year if Bryce Young's not there as one of the absolute best players in the country. Um, yeah, Bryce Young is, is that good and could have been a rough one for Alabama. Uh, they talked about last year being the rebuilding season. It looks like this has been the one for them, and it's because they don't have the weapons on the outside, and they have been so much better this year with Bryce Young in there. Uh, with their weapons not being as good, he's able to make something out of nothing. That's what they should be thankful for. Ole Miss actually should be thankful for Lane Kiffin, and I'll tell you why. Lane has given them template for how they can matter and be relevant in the SEC West. They don't have the resources that most teams do. Uh, they're not always going to get the star power, but you've kind of thought about Ole Miss in the last couple of seasons with 10 wins last year. It, they didn't quite beat Alabama this year, but they did come close. I, I think that that's the template for what they should be hiring. If they go hire, no shade to Matt Luke here, if they hire someone like that again, they're going to go right back to the bottom of the SEC West. They need to hire someone that's flashy, does things a little bit differently, does things their way, because Ole Miss has now proven that they'll let them operate in that manner. Mississippi State, I think that they need to be uh, thankful for Auburn because they're taking Lane Kiffin away. And so there may be a little path here where Mississippi State gets to be the class of Mississippi once again. Uh, they, they have some issues they have to correct, mainly uh, lines of scrimmage, some stuff on its defense. But overall, it's still a team that's not fun to play. Georgia handled them well. Most teams do not handle Mississippi State that well. Uh, Will Rogers, good player, but not quite clicking with the Leach era. Two final things. Uh, Texas A&M needs to be thankful for media contracts because if they're able to move on from Jimbo Fisher, it is through media contracts <laughs> and the money that's coming. Uh, if they would have lost UMass, I think they would have fired him. I know that sounds crazy to be like, yeah, we'll come up with $85 million out of the blue. Uh, they would be able to afford it with some of the upcoming media deals. They're going to get a uh, bit of a reprieve with future money that's incoming because SEC is only getting more valuable. At LSU, let me pull on my Southern accent here, which I already have naturally, but let me get it a little bit further. Should be thankful for family. Thanks, everybody, for watching Around the League from UGASports.com. For Jim Donnan, who will return on our next one. For Brent Rollins, we do thank you for checking out Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery. Thank you all for watching live. And if you're listening on the podcast feed, we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. All of us at UGASports.com. So thankful for you, the support that you give us, that we are able to talk about football and have some fun, tell some jokes, and... Uh, just really enjoy everything we get to do. You all make that possible. Thanks for doing that. I'm Dan Young. I'll see you next time. Thanks for uh, watching Around the League from UGASports.com.